This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Hello and welcome to the show. On today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the steps that you can follow if you have a media interview. And this is something that I usually cover in my Publicity for Pet Businesses program, usually quite near the end of the program. However, over the last few weeks, um, we're in April April 2020 um, here in the UK. We have had the um, coronavirus pandemic um, and there has obviously been lots of coverage in the news about um, how we're all coping with coronavirus and different things that people are doing in their businesses to support people during the coronavirus outbreak. So what's happened is it has led to um, lots of the people I've been working with having media opportunities um, and they need to prepare for interviews, you know, fairly quickly, really. So if they send a pitch off about something that they're doing in their pet business, which is helping their clients and helping their community, um, quite often they're having a journalist come back and say, right, yes, I'd love to speak to you about that. Can we speak on the phone in, you know, half an hour's time or something? Um, so I thought I would do a podcast on 10 easy steps to make sure you get the most out of an interview with a journalist. So you have this and you can listen to it. And if you do have an interview opportunity, you can quickly go through the tips and then you're prepared to speak to the journalist. Okay, so the first tip is to make sure that you read the publication. So if you're talking, if you're looking um, to have an interview with like a newspaper or a magazine or a website, have a good look around that um, publication and make sure you can see the kind of things that they um, they talk about, the kind of politics that they might have, um, and try to work out what their target audience is as well. So many publications have a media pack which you can go and look at. They have this on their website and that will explain you know what their readership is, how old they are, how many people buy that publication or read that publication online. Um, and then what you need to do really is target the advice that you're giving or the story or the experiences that you're sharing for that audience. So let's say, for example, um, we're looking at a publication that's got a much more older readership and it's it's geared towards providing information for people who are over 65, then concentrate on this when you're preparing for your interview. So if you were talking about rescue dogs, for example, you might want to talk about how rescue dogs can help um, combat low feeling of loneliness because this is something that people experience when they're in later life so make it really relevant for the people who read that publication and by publication it could be a newspaper it could be a magazine it could be a website or radio show or podcast so have a good um, you know do some research on who their audience is who is it who consumes that content likewise if the publication is targeted at millennials um, if you were right if you were talking about a trend in millennial pet ownership or something, you know, something that you're seeing from millennial pet owners. There's going to be loads of um, research out there talking about millennial pet owner trends and information that you can have a look at to make sure that what you share is really relevant to their readers. So if you're talking about, um, you know, if you're talking about something that relates to people who are in their 30s, make sure, um, if you're talking to a publication for people who are in their 30s, make sure that the information that you're sharing isn't, you know, it's relevant for people of that age group. So the second tip is to look at other stories that, that they have covered that are similar to your topic. So, for example, if you're being interviewed about puppy training, then take a look at other articles in that publication on the website or on that show um, that cover puppy training and then try to offer something different. Try to offer a fresh perspective so you're not repeating the same thing over and over again. So 
Um, you know, you might be interviewed about the fact that you've got a puppy training book, or you might be, it might be like, um, it might be more time sensitive. So we know that lots of people, rightly or wrongly, get puppies around Christmas time. So you might want to go, go for a different angle and talk about what it's like having a puppy at Christmas and why people should consider maybe thinking of adop- of taking in a puppy at a different time of year. So try to offer a fresh perspective, but have a look at what they've already done when it comes to puppy training. So recently, um, just for another example, I worked with Jade Statt, who's the co-founder of Street Vet. Um, we were talking about coronavirus and how this was impacting on homeless pet owners. So as we know, in the UK at the moment, I'm speaking in April, 2000, uh, April 2020, we are currently in lockdown and the government has pledged to put all homeless people into accommodation. So they're either going into hostels, going into hotels and into Airbnbs. The problem is that if you are a homeless pet owner, um, you won't be able to be offered, you know, it's it's much harder basically to find accommodation because many of these establishments won't allow pets. So I was working with Jade, we were talking about the problem that homeless pet owners were facing in lockdown, the fact that they're falling through the gaps because they're not getting the same government support that other people who are living on the streets are. So we were thinking about where we wanted to, where we wanted to pitch this story. And I straight away thought about The Independent, which is a newspaper and website here in the UK. Um, and that was because I knew they were already interested in highlighting the plight of homeless people and those with pets. Um, I knew they were going to be sympathetic for Jade. I knew that the journalist had an understanding of the work that she did um, and would really feel passionately about sharing that topic. So in that instance, we looked at the other stories that were covered um, about pets and homelessness that were similar to Jade. And we knew that if we were going to if we were going to pitch this paper, it would handle it in exactly the way that we wanted it to be handled and be really sympathetic to um, the plight that these people were facing. So the third piece of advice for you is to find statistics that support your story. So when you're preparing for an interview, um, journalists really love to include studies and figures in their articles. So quite often you'll read something and it might say, you know, 90% of pet owners say they love going on holiday with their pet. So you can go and find those kind of figures um, and use them when you're in the interview to support the to support the advice or interview that you're giving. So let's say, for example, you're pitching a story about how boredom um, with pets can lead to behavioural problems. Then what you can do is find some research to support this. So if you're giving expert advice about why it's important that your dog doesn't get bored, maybe again during lockdown, you can go and find some research that will support this. So research to demonstrate what happens when pet gets when pets get bored. So um, probably about 18 months or so ago now, I was working with a dog trainer called Dominic Hodgson and he had a new book out called Worried Free Walks. And one of the key things in the book was that one of the key points that the book made was that dogs become badly behaved if they're bored. And if you've got a bored dog who's been badly behaved, your walk is going to be quite worrisome. And the whole point of his Worry Free Walks book was to take away that worry. So what I did is I went away and I found some research about boredom in dogs and there'd been a study by um, researchers at Bristol University and they looked at 400 dogs and they found that a lack of play could lead to 22 different kinds of behavioural problems. So what we did is when we were pitching Dominic's worry-free walk book we talked about boredom in dogs, we talked about this study and we talked about why it's important that dogs aren't bored and then that that led into the advice that he was giving in his book um, and led to some nice coverage for his worry-free walk book. So when you're preparing for an interview, if you've got a little bit of time, even when you're doing your pitch, think about getting some statistics that are going to support the points that you're making. 
Um, that's really important. And then if you've already got those figures ready to give the journalist during the interview, and you can send them over to them afterwards, that's really helping them. It means that they don't have to go away and find those themselves. Um, maybe um, I would all, always recommend that you include links and obviously make sure that they're you know from a credible source. So, for example, with the Bristol University one, obviously Bristol University is a credible um organization it was a credible study it wasn't um, you know just something that we'd kind of plucked from thin air um, that we'd you know seen online so try and make it as credible as possible if it's a survey that's absolutely fine um, if it's a university study great but like I say the more credible it is the better it is for the journalist one final point on the doing on the founding statistics as well if you just do a quick google search um, sometimes that can throw up exactly what it is that you need so when I was doing the research for the for the board dogs feature um, I literally just did um, problems caused by, bog, by dogs being bored. Um, and after, after some searching, I came across the Bristol University study. Sometimes you might, you might want to Google something like, you know, if we're talking about people taking the pets on holiday, you might want to Google like a percentage sign and then pets on holiday. And then that will bring up studies of how many people want to take their pets on holiday. Um, so go to, if you're stuck, just go and do a Google search and that should bring up some helpful information. So the next thing that you can do to prepare for an interview is to just remember to be friendly and don't waffle. So it can be, when you first start giving interviews, it can be daunting. You can think that the journalist might be a little bit scary, it might be, might be a little bit formal or serious. But remember that journalists are real people. Um, and if, you know, they, whenever you do an interview, you want to build rapport with the interviewee as quickly as possible so you get the best from them. So if you are in my Facebook group or if you've, if you've listened to my podcast before, you can probably tell that I'm quite a friendly person. Um, one of the things that I want to do straight away when I speak to somebody is put them at ease so I can get the best from them. So they're going to open up to me and they're going to give a good interview and give really useful information there. So even if the subject that you're looking at is really serious, just try and be friendly and personable, but also strike a balance between that. Don't waffle on too much. The journalist will be quite time poor and you'll generally get a little bit of a hint when you're speaking to them if they are you know, if they're needing to wrap things up and they're needing to, you know, get on with the rest of their day. Uh, don't be offended by that. You know, they do work to quite strict deadlines. Sometimes you'll be able to have a conversation with them for quite a long time. Sometimes you might only be on the phone for five minutes. Don't take it personally. Um, it all depends on what they've got on that day. Um, and, and yeah, just, just don't take it personally. But the key thing is to just be friendly and don't waffle. So the fifth thing I would suggest you do when you're preparing for an interview is be ready to answer the questions as best you can. So if you're doing um, TV or radio in particular or for a podcast, you really do want to try and keep a natural conversation flowing. So what would normally happen if you had a TV, radio or podcast interview is you would have a little bit of a chat at the beginning before they press record, before you went live, um, just to kind of put you at ease, as I was saying before, about building that rapport, which is really important. Um, but so they would have a chat with you and put you at ease and then they would go into the interview. You would probably have had a few questions prepared as well um, so the key thing is, is if you're, when you're doing the interview, answer the questions as best you can and try to relax. Remember that unless you've done something terrible, um, then the journalist isn't there to catch you out or to interrogate you. Um, try to relax as much as you can. What they might do is throw in a question that you don't know the answer of or maybe something that throws you. Um, if that's the case and you can't answer straight away or you feel like you might bumble or make a mistake or say something that you don't want to say, then I would ask if you can check that that question and come back to them and most journalists will be absolutely fine with that they want to give accurate information and um, even if it's live you could if you if you do feel stuck you could say would you mind if I checked and came back to you on that the sixth thing to do is um this is a real this is a real bugbear for many journalists 
It's when people are difficult about sharing personal details. So whenever I write, a st- so I write for newspapers and magazines, do some do some things for websites as well. Um, and every single story I write, I have to include every interview's name, age, where they live, and what they do for a living, and sometimes their marital status if it's relevant to the story. Um, if I don't include those, there is a chance that my case study and the interview won't be used. So if I turn around to um, the person who's commissioned me, the journalist or the editor, and say, I'm sorry, I know I've got this case study and they're talking about X, Y, Z, but they won't tell me how old they are, they're probably going to turn around to me and say, well, you need to, they need to tell you how old they are because this is what we put people's ages in every single story that we have. And if they won't, there is a chance that that interview might be paused. So... If you're having an interview with a journalist and you they ask you how old you are or they ask you something that you feel is too personal, I really would recommend that you you try not to try not to refuse to give them that information because at the end of the day, people people give their ages and where they live and what they do for a living and sometimes their marital status or family background because it gives context to a story. It's not because the journalist is being really nosy or because they're being ageist or they're being insensitive. These are some of the things that I've had thrown back at me when I've asked people to tell me how old they are. It gives context to the story. Um, the reason why journalists ask for people's ages is basically when, whenever court cases are reported, having the person's age in there um, makes sure that you're identifying the right person and that is kind of carried out throughout the paper. So um, many, many years ago when I worked on a local paper, we did a court case and it was a very sensitive court case about a man who had a very common name and we had to make sure we had to ensure that we had the age of that person and also on local papers they include the the road that people live on as well um, because we didn't want to identify a different person with that same name so if someone's called David Jones for example you need to say it's David Jones who's 57 and lives on Church Road rather than just David Jones from Newcastle because there's going to be loads of David Joneses and we want to make sure we have the right person Um, and also in an instance if the photo if your, if you provide photos but your photo isn't used with the article, having your age and where you live identifies you as that person as well. So if people do ask you to share personal details, please try and be as helpful as possible. Um, the seventh step I would think about when you are preparing for an interview is to avoid talking over the journalist. So I know that I'm really guilty of this because I, as a journalist, because I tend to get overexcited and when something interesting comes into my head, I always think about something that I really want to ask. And I've, over the last few years, I've really tried to um, put a, keep a lid on this really because I know it, I know that I shouldn't do it, but I, I do tend to get overexcited when people are telling me about things. Um, and I know that I know that you can do that too um, because obviously you're passionate about what you do, and it's really easy to just get completely giddy about it and just want to say so many things and and and, and you know interrupt and that kind of thing. But try to avoid this. Um, as I say, do as I say, not as I do. Um, especially if you're doing like a, a live interview or you're doing a radio interview or TV interview or podcast. Sometimes what I try and do now is um, to stop me doing this is I write down what it is that I wanted to say or I write little prompts on a piece of paper. So when the other per- when the interviewee is talking to me, I will write down, you know, things that I need to go back to them with. Then when I get to the end of the interview, I'll go back. But if there's something that you really want to say and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to say this now, then just scribble it down on a piece of paper and then you can return to it at the end of the interview or go on to it as your next point. Um, the other thing to do is just keep it simple as well. So I know um, if you're if you're a dog training expert or if you've if you're an expert at you know doing a particular type of groom or if you um, have a charity or whatever it is that you do, you're going to have been living, eating, sleeping, and breathing what you do for many many years. Um, you're going to have lots of expert knowledge. You're going to have qualifications. You're going to know so much, um, and you're going to have so much that you can share on that topic. But 
it's really important to remember that you're speaking to the man on the street and the job of the journalist is to break down the information you're giving to them and make it as easy to understand as possible. So let's say, for example, you're talking about recall. You could talk about all kinds of different behaviour issues or um, psychological things that go on in a dog's mind or all kinds of neuro programming that dogs have that, that affects how good their recall is. But what the journalist will really need to do is give simple advice to their readers or their listeners on recall and make it as easy to understand as possible. So keep things simple. You don't have to show off your knowledge or training. You're there to explain something in layman's terms. So have really give really, really simple advice. Um, and also one of the things that one of the things I was always taught when I was at journalism college and in my early days in my career was um, imagine you're you know explaining something to somebody who's just landed from Mars. So always um, put things into context. Um, so imagine that the person who's reading the story or listening to you doesn't doesn't know any of the abbreviations or any of the phrases that you that you might use in your everyday language. So for example, I was working with a lady um, this week and she works with German shepherds. So one of the um, abbreviations for German Shepherds is GSC. So when she, she was writing a blog post and I was giving her feedback on that um, and she put in um, the letters GSD. And so I said, you have to explain that that's a German Shepherd because the average man on the street, particularly one who doesn't have a German Shepherd, would not know that that's what that meant. So keep it simple. Um, avoid any, you know, an acronyms or anything like that. Same with IMDT. If you've studied at, at the uh, a particular institute, so like the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers, say you studied at the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers, and then they can abbreviate that to IMDT later because the average reader would not understand what the IMDT is. So the penultimate point is to have your key points and tips handy. So Right at the beginning, before you start the interview, and as you're preparing, um, you think about the key thing that you want to get across in the interview and keep going back to it. So I'm going to use Jade from Street Vet for as, as an example again. Um, I started doing some work with Jade about three years ago, and what I would do, um, I did an interview with her, I spent a day with her basically going out, I did like a day in the life of a street vet, did that for my pet blog, um, and then that led to me doing a, um, a number of magazine and newspaper interviews with her. And whenever I pitched stories to um, whatever publication it was about Jade, bear in mind I was doing, you know, I, I'd interviewed her and then I was placing it as a journalist. Um, what we what we would always, the key point that we'd always try to get across is that people, um, people who have pets who are living on the streets with them don't do it because they want to get more money. They, they don't, they have their pets with them because they're their, you know, their only companion. They can't bear to be parted from their pets. And quite often they will stay on the streets because there isn't space in shelters and hostels for animals and that animal um, most shelters and hostels aren't pet friendly so that was a really important point that we always wanted to get across or that I always wanted to get across on Jade's behalf because that's the biggest assumption I feel that people make when they see homeless people with animals so if you've got a point like that that you always want to get across maybe you're talking about anxious dogs and the point that you want to get across is that anxious dogs are really misunderstood and that people quite often see um the behavior that's that's displayed through anxiety as being naughty and you really want to get that across that these dogs aren't being naughty they are anxious keep going back to that point keep repeating that point say it in different ways so remember if you're on the phone to a journalist for 10 minutes which is quite a short interview you're probably going to say around twelve thousand words so that's a lot for them to work through so you want to be getting the key points over and over and over again keep going back to them 
So the final story might only be 300 words. So it's really important that you get the most important the most important message that you have to say across to them. Not to the point where you're just repeatedly saying the same thing, but try to keep, you know, just try to keep coming back to your key point or key points. Another really helpful thing to do is to have three, I always say have three tips ready. Sometimes go up to as many as five. If you're feeling really, if you want to be really well prepared, then maybe think about having five tips ready. So for example, um, I've been working with a lady called Kerry Jordan. She's a pet photographer at Fur and Fables, and she is um, also the founder of National Dog Photography Day. Um, we've got a podcast interview actually coming up with her very soon. Um, so she's a pet photographer. Um, she only really photographs animals. She works with different brands. Um, and one of the things that she does is she has a program where she teaches people how to take better photos of their dog. So it's called photography. It's really good. And it teaches people how to take, you know, lovely photos of the dog and all the, all the tips and tricks that professional photographers use that can help, you know, your average dog owner or average pet business owner get better photos of their dog. So she went on radio, BBC Radio Kent recently to talk about um, how people can use the time that we have in lockdown to um, learn how to take better photos, which is, you know, a great thing to do. We all love having photos of our dogs, don't we? And it's, you know, it's really on brand for Kerry because that's what she does for a living. So she did the interview. She talked about what it's like being a dog photographer, why we can be using lockdown to learn how to um, improve our photography skills. And then at the end, the interviewer said to her, um, have you got three tips um, have you got any advice for pet owners or pet brand owners on how they can take better pictures? So Kerry had three tips ready. So she said, she actually said in the interview, yes, I've got three tips ready. They are. And then she went through the different tips. So always have that ready. Um, and it just means if you've got this prepared in advance, then it, it just flows easier. It's a, you're, not, you're not thinking on your feet. You're not sitting there afterwards thinking, oh, gosh, I wish I'd said that. Um, you've got you've got the really important things that you know that you need the um, the reader to or listener to understand. Um, you've got them ready and you can share them um, and it just makes things go a bit more smoothly really for you, doesn't it? So the final thing I have to share with you about how to prepare for a media interview is to follow the call with an email with your website, key resources and photos. So have you can actually have this ready um, ready to send just after you've done your interview. And um, that's what I would tend to do because quite often I think you can come off the phone, you know, we've got messages, we've got social media, we've got people, you know, our, our animals, our family um, wanting our attention. Quite often you can come off the phone, you get completely distracted and then you forget that, to send over the really vital information that the journalist would need. Um, a really important thing is photos. Um, so if you can have um, a selection of photos, the journalist might have actually um, asked you for some particular particular photos to illustrate the story during the interview. Um, so you can have those ready so you can send them after after you've finished the call. You might need to go and find the photos, but if you can just have some general photos that illustrate your story and some professional images of you doing what, what it is that you do, um, a headshot, maybe a photo of you grooming or working with the animals. If you run like a cat hotel, for example, you might have a picture of you in one of the rooms with some of the cats. Have those ready to go. Um, and I would recommend that you use Dropbox or WeTransfer, which both um, software apps and packages that you can use um, and basically you put the photos into a folder and then you send the link to that folder over to the journalist so you don't clog up their email with massive files. Um, it's just a really easy way for them to get, get the photos that they need from you as well. Um, I would also in the email have maybe um, your website link in there, you might want to include your social media links in there, 
you might want to have you might have mentioned some resources so let's say for example you've got a um a, a pdf which you can share on five top tips to teach your dog recall you might want to send that over to the journalist as well because they might be able to use that or they might literally just cut and paste it and put it in the article as well um so have all these things ready to go um, and then when you finish the call you can send that email over and at the end of the call you can also say you know I'll send over um, a link for you with my images and website links and any relevant resources um, and it just means that you know you're saving the journalist from thinking oh I need to go chase chase you for your images or I need to go online and find your website and then they might find an old website or they might put an old social media link in that you don't use anymore you want to make sure that you've got the right one because you've got this opportunity and you want to make the most of it. Um, and then the final thing to do is just say thank you to the journalists for their time. So obviously say this in your in your interview when you're speaking to them, but also say that on the email as well. And I'd always put your phone number on the email so they can reach out to you quickly and easily if they've got any queries that they might have for that particular story or if they're looking for you in future. If they've got an email where they've got your phone number on, they can literally just pick up the phone and get hold of you. So I hope you found that helpful. Um, I've had some really, really interesting stories come out of um, come out from businesses I've been working with during the coronavirus lockdown. Um, we, today I've been speaking to um, I've been speaking to a lady called Sam who's an artist um, and she she paints dogs as well. So that's how come she's in my pet business group. Um, but she's also she's putting on art classes for children and she um, she's been doing really well. She's basically like the Joe Wicks of the art world at the moment. And she's had some brilliant coverage today in the Telegraph, so it's been fantastic. So um, obviously, because we've been working together, I did all of the prep for her. But I think that this um, this podcast will hopefully be really helpful for you if you're preparing for an interview and you don't have somebody there to kind of guide you through it. If you follow the tips I've given you here, it will make sure that you get the most out of the interview. And, um, you know, you, you give a great chat to the journalists and that they will come back to you in future as well, which is what's really important. You want to be that go-to person, don't you? So... I hope you found this podcast helpful. If you have, I would absolutely love it if you could leave me a review on iTunes um, or whatever podcast platform it is that you listen to this podcast on. Um, It would be great. Also, if you could subscribe and if you have any friends who you feel will benefit from it or any, you know, any other pet business owners who are looking for help with publicity, then please, um, please send them to this podcast or to my free Facebook group. And I will look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.